I think that we're kind of amateur uh, surgeons as musicians, you know, because we don't really know exactly what the connections are, but we know that there are connections. I mean, especially low frequency because it vibrates your body. You know, the waves are like, some of the waves like 14, 15 feet long. So having those kind of waves go through you, it just kind of, uh, you know, bends your innermost space and time, I guess, you know? <laughs> and even the way the chord progressions work, through structure, you can make people feel tensive at the end of a measure, or you can make them feel resolved. I mean, that's what I've always loved about music, and especially instrumental music. Instrumental music, a lot of times, is more like a, an abstract painting, whereas lyrical music is more like uh, impressionistic or realistic, you know? Michael right. Menner, here we are. Man, so glad to have you here. So for everyone out there listening, Michael's an unbelievable producer of hip-hop, soul, EDM music. So Michael, to start this off, you've got an EP coming out. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that. Uh, it's, it's an EP I made kind of uh, over the last like six to eight months towards the end of my stay in California. You know, my mom had some has had some health issues recently, so I've moved back to Colorado to take care of her and... A lot of the music that kind of gets lumped in as electronic becomes uh, kind of anxiety driven almost, you know, like, like it has like this, this, this hype or this buildup where it, 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 it motivates you to move. And I needed some stuff that motivated me to kind of chill. So mm. um, I kind of made some songs without any samples, without any records, just kind of playing instruments and kind of make like a, like an electronic album, but something that's more like uh, along the lines of the stuff that, um, when I was coming up, kind of the down tempo y stuff, like the early bonobo stuff, um, uh -huh. like the Fruder and Dorfmeister type of stuff, you know? So the EP was kind of trying to be in a vein of just like giving, it's called Body High. So it's trying to give you just kind of like a, you know, elevate you without making you psyched out, you know? I wanted to make an album that I could enjoy at, in more than just a show. You know what I mean? For sure. So, you know, on this podcast, we talk about, we have jazz musicians on here. I, I love beautiful music. Uh, and yeah. then also like intense shredding, the whole myriad. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about, so just using relaxing music as an example. Do you ever think about like, what about relaxing music? How that affects the mind of the listener, like psychologically, like what, the dynamics of the music you're making are actually going to do to the mind of the listener? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's something I've, I've become more and more aware of as I grow up and as I kind of get more of a spectrum of the different feelings and nuances of, of, of the love of life experience, you know? Um, and as you evolve as a person, your feelings, when you listen to certain types of music evolve, you start realizing that like certain things, trigger certain responses in your body you know mm -hmm. um and your subconscious too so yeah for me it's just been kind of searching for ways to to find things that that for me create a pleasing reaction you know while still encompassing some of like the bitter sweetness of life not just too sugary it's interesting because when i was when i was working with uh, mickey hart we actually were trying to figure out ways to kind of heal the mind and and damages in the mind through sound and through low frequency and stuff like that. So we were working with a bunch of specialists, neuroscientists and things like that. And he and I and, Z and Zakir Hussein uh, worked on a drone project that was put out through, uh, what, what is it, Wanderlust, I think, uh, a website that's kind of like, um, 
more like a new agey kind of project that we did that was more droney and kind of rhythmic, trying to get people into the, the trance so that their mind can kind of heal and, you know. Um, so through that, I kind of became more attentive to the way that sound um, affects me, you know, and certain frequencies and like certain music when I listen to it. Like there's a lot of stuff that like I love at a live setting, but then if I listen to it in my car, I start like feeling really anxious, you know? And it wasn't always like that for me. Like, it, you know, growing up, I feel like I was a lot less susceptible to that, but I think maybe just through, you know, it's like it's like when, when you cook, you pay attention to certain spices and then you're almost hyper aware of them when they're used or overused in, in certain restaurants or settings. So it's like once I delved a little deeper into the, the science of it and just really, immerse myself through the work at Mickey's um, in kind of like the sound healing of, of low frequencies. It just, it's hard for me to go back to just enjoying it without feeling those secondary impulses. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it is like about music itself that can cause spiritual healing and actual like transformation at a health level? I mean, you know, it's, it's vibration. It's like, it's the way that ha the cats heal, heal themselves through purring. You know what I mean? Like they, it's, they create a low frequency and they vibrate with it and it kind of aligns their, their cells. You know, I think that we're kind of amateur uh, surgeons as musicians, you know, cause we don't really know exactly what the connections are, but we know that there are connections and we know that there are ways that, you know, bass and it's, I mean, especially low frequency because it vibrates your body more, you know, the waves are like some of the waves like 14, 15 feet long. So having those kind of waves go through you, it just kind of, uh, you know, bends your innermost space and time, I guess. You know? <laughs> um, and then you think about melodies, you know, the way that mel certain melodies and certain relationships like dissonance and then harmony and different things, how they create kind of emotional and, and uh, psychological reactions, you know, like they, they make you feel certain way. Like, even if you don't know anything about music theory, if you hear like, uh, like discord, you, you feel a certain, it kind of gives you, like, like it, throw, it throws you off a little bit, you know? And then when you hear certain like harmonics, it makes you feel at ease or it just kind of like resolves, you know? Um, and e even the way that chord progressions work where it's like you can have through structure, you can make people feel like uh, pensive at the end of the measure or you can make them feel like resolved or you can make them feel uh, anxious, you know, like different things that you can do just through the progression of things, you know? So it's, um, so I think that, that some of it is on like the cellular and vibrational level. And then some of it is just on our own psychological connection to, to different notes, you know? Mm. I mean, that's what I've always loved about music. And I've said this before, it's like, you know, and especially instrumental music, because I love music with lyrics, but it also then it kind of streamlines to what you're thinking about when you listen to that song, you know? It becomes a love song or it becomes a political song or it becomes, you know, whatever it is. Whereas like, like instrumental music, it can make me feel like, oh, this reminds me of being in the sunny meadow with my mom. And then someone else can be like, oh, like, this reminds me of like the worst parts of my last relationship or whatever, you know? And like all these different feelings that are all correct, but on different ends of the spectrum of the human experience, you know? Which is like, mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful because it's like, that that's the part of it that I think is is art, you know? Not saying that it's like this high art or whatever, but I'm just saying that like how art is interpretive, you know? Like you look at a like an abstract painting and it's like, and, and maybe that's, that's what it is. Instrumental music a lot of times is more like a, an abstract painting, whereas lyrical music is more like uh, impressionistic or realistic, you know? Mm. Mm. Michael, we're talking about harmony, resolving dissonance. Yeah. And then 
other musical thing like dynamics and yeah. changes in volume space these different aspects of music yeah can you talk to me about maybe one or two in specific that you're particularly inspired by that maybe you'd want to open up other musicians eyes to uh to placing a little more emphasis on um i think that dynamic is one of the main things that i think up-and-coming musicians um struggle with because you want to make it as loud especially in electronic music you want to make it as loud and hard-hitting as possible and so you get these very like if you look at the waveform you get these very boxy waves you know so i think that having things that breathe a little bit you know and, and even the dynamic in in drumming you know it's uh I, I mean i work on the grid and stuff like that but it's you know um and most people do that you work with electronic stuff because you're you know you're working with with uh time segments and whatnot but um you listen to music that was recorded before like the late 90s early 2000s rock music the drummers weren't playing to a click so they, it was breathing you know like it would slow down and speed up and that even the dynamic that way just gives it a little humanity you know i think that like um there's that balance with electronic and dance music where you want to have the syncopation and you want to have the things in place so that people can lose themselves in it and it has that kind of entrancing element but you also want to have the humanity of dynamic and mistakes and little augmentations and changes you know so it's not just completely rigid and just the same loop over and over again, you know? So it's one of those things that I've always done with, with like drums and things like things like bass lines that are usually fairly simple, but like when you listen to a song, the bass just kind of plays and adds extra notes and little things here and there. And I've tried to do that with my drums and bass, even if I'm just sequencing it, and even if it stems from a loop, you know? It's like, I try to find ways to to make, make it, put in little ghost notes on the snare, just little things here and there that sounds like, you know, a drummer that's getting bored of playing the same thing, so he's kind of spicing it up here and there, or or a bass that's basses that's not doing necessarily fills or solos, but is just kind of adding a, you know, a few little grace notes here and there. You know, and I think mm. that those little elements, I mean, it's it's one of the things I think that modern bass music excels at is that it has so much just uniqueness from from section to section where it just, um, you know, the sounds really evolve and morph and it. It, the sounds themselves go on a journey. So yeah, dynamic, I think is, is, is a main thing. And it's also, you, you, you know, um, when you listen to negative space is one of the things that I think for me um, became very apparent, especially when you listen to hip hop, because a lot of the times, instead of having fills, they'll just drop out for a second, you know, and kind of come back in, you know, that kind of thing where, um, and people like Madlib are just geniuses with that, where they'll just use negative space and it creates uh so much more energy than a fill would or than something big you know ex an explosion or something or a build would right there it just has this like it just makes you appreciate it when it comes back you know jay dillo is really good at that too um you know a lot of the a lot of the the giants that came um and are still around and have been inspirational to us all you know and i think a lot of that comes from using uh you know limitations like the sp12 had 10 seconds of sample time so you couldn't really have that much in it you know um the mpc had like 32 seconds of sample time so it's like you had these limitations where you couldn't sometimes you couldn't add more you know you would have your your disk space would be full so you'd be thinking of ways to take the elements that you have and reshape it you know so hmm. yeah. i don't know if i'm veering off course or not but <laughs> talk to me about darkness in music and in art in general and how you think it can be a beautiful thing oh man it's it's one of those things that um I think most people 
need it. You know, you, you need that, that contrast and, it, and the darkness in it because our lives all have darkness in them. You know, even the happiest person has dark days. Um, and so I think that there is a necessity to, you know, it's like the, the balance. You can't have the good without the bad. And it's like the darkness allows it to then, you know, the clouds to open up at, at some point, you know, or it allows you to notice that the clouds came in. Again, it's a dynamic thing, you know, uh, as much as it is a, a, an emotional or vibe thing. It's like, you know, you want the feelings to be dynamic, not just the, the speed or the sound or the velocity, you know? And I mean, I love when when songs have darkness and then they have resolution, you know? Like that's, that's that, that to me is, you know, it's, the, I think there's a part of me that like when I'm approaching something, I want to like do everything possible with the song sometimes. So it's like being able to take it successfully into both realms where it goes dark, but then it kind of has like those moments of sunshine that, that shine through. Um, that's that's when I feel like it's it's more of a all-encompassing song of what I'm trying to get get out through art, you know, most times. Mm. Sometimes I want to just do silly shit too. <laughs> so Michael, if, if we can get a bit personal for a second, um, before this, I was moved listening to you on Andy Frasco's podcast, like preparing for this, um, where you reflected on your life and really the adversity that you've come from, that you've faced through. And can you talk to me about how based on your experience, like what you've learned about dealing with anxiousness and fear and pain? I mean, it's tough, you know, it's like, I, it's, it's one of those things that's like, it, you can learn to deal with it, but it's always there. You know, it's like, it's, I mean, for me, at least, you know, I, I feel like the more, you know, the, the last two years of the pandemic have been very tough, I think, because there's been a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainty, you know, and now with the economic state of the world and the United States kind of being in turmoil and, you know, prices just being crazy, but wages not following it. It's just, it's, it's hard not to feel doomed, you know, but I think that a lot of it too is the fact that we have so much information and so much stimulation with us at all times that it, you know, like at any point you can like tune into the apocalypse, you know, um, and, and feel like, oh, I'm watching everything fall apart in, in real time. But it's like, really, I think that being able to get outside and get outside of yourself and, and spend time away from, you know, I mean, for me, like hiking and walking around and even just walking on the street, you know, just takes me out of the zone. And, and you just see, you, you know, you pass people on the road and you just see that people aren't all in conflict. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot more there's a lot more cohesion cohesion and uh, and coexistence peacefully than than what we're shown. And so, not to say that there isn't a huge strides that we need to make as as a civilization and uh, you know as society to to break down the remaining barriers and that not not to say that there hasn't been more and more um, craziness around us in the last few years because of people being cooped up and whatnot, but you know, I was thinking about it last night when I was having trouble sleeping and it was, you know, we, we worry so much about so many things like money is a big thing, you know, because unfortunately jobs tie you to health insurance and things like that. So it's, so you're, you're stuck in this, in this, this state where uh, when things become uncertain or when things get more expensive or whatever you, or at least I start feeling like what's going to happen, you know, like, how are people going to survive? How are, how are people going to get groceries? Like what's, you know, um, but at the end of the day, it's, I mean, 
we get we, we all we all carry on you know um my parents growing up you know in the under soviet control in poland um they had times where there was nothing on the shelves you know that they had times where it just seemed bleak where you couldn't find toilet paper where you couldn't find anything you know and people helped each other out people get by you know and and i always think about it like this i always worry but then i'm like I've made it this far, you know? And there's been lots of times where I where things have felt even worse than they feel now. And I just need to trust that it's part of the story because very few stories start as like, this is what the characters planned. And then you turn the page and it's like, that's exactly what happened in the end. You know, it's usually like, this is what they planned. Everything went wrong, blah, blah. You know, the world is close to ending. And then at the end, it all comes together, you know? So it's, so it's like, I see turmoil as just part of the story now, you know, as part of the journey towards the happy ending you know and i don't i'm not ready to to give up and i'm not ready for a happy ending just yet i guess you know <laughs> so so uh, i guess just contextualizing all of it as part of your story and realizing that like there's a chance in every moment of uncertainty to develop your character i guess you know and and strengthen yourself against everything and i also think that you know i've been thinking about this a lot with the human mind i think the human mind tends to focus more on negative things that happen to us because, well, because it's a survival technique, you know, like the positive things that happen, our mind's like, okay, cool, we got this. I don't need to think about that. But the negative things we fester over. So I think that it's like the older you get and the more you experience, the more your mind has this bank of the way, the different ways things went wrong so that you don't do it in the, in the future, you know? So it can start feeling like you have these mounting failures in your subconscious, but really I think it's just your brain pre preparing you. And you can see all those mounting failures as like, that whole list of things that I was afraid of, I got through all of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's and like the memory bank of resilience, almost. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you need to stop seeing it as failures and start seeing it as like, I, I made it past that. I felt like that was like the most humiliating time of my life or like the worst time, you know, whatever it was, the hard, like I, it was the most pain I was ever in or whatever. And I'm here now, you know? And it's a different thing, but I'm gonna overcome it just like I did that, you know? And I think that if you feel that way, it's like, you, and if you just don't give up, you get to a point where you're either going to make it or you're going to die trying and you're not going to know if you didn't make it, you know? So <laughs> does, does the concept of your death inspire you? Like, do you ever think about death? Are you, are you at all, would yes. you say afraid of death? Uh, I mean, I was afraid of death up until I got stabbed and almost died. And then, and then it just, uh, I remember laying there looking up at the stars when they when the paramedics were kind of rushing to the street and, just thinking i was just thinking about the people i loved you know the like the, my only want was to be like i was like man i it would be nice to be able to say goodbye to them or whatever you know or say tell them i love them one more time and it was kind of calming you know like we were so afraid of death but I, but there when i was you know told that i possibly might die and that i felt like i was dying because my body was kind of shutting down i wasn't there wasn't fear anymore you know because at that point your brain doesn't doesn't have time for that you're just kind of like okay cool what do i need to do to just kind of become okay with this and you know and really it seemed a lot more um even though it's hectic it seemed in a weird way peaceful you know the whole the whole pre-death moment that i had kind of experienced you know because i mean honestly i didn't think i was going to make it when i when like i realized how stabbed i was <laughs> you know i mean you know i'm still I'm still afraid of things. I'm still cautious, but, it, but I, but the idea of death, um, I think the only thing that scares me is the death of people around me because of the sadness of it, you know, um, because I lost my dad and my mom's sick right now. And, you know, that part of it 
is scary, but it's also, again, it's a part of life, you know, and it happens to all of us. And I think that one of the things that I envy certain cultures about is that certain, you know, the other cultures in the world that celebrate the passing of people, you know, and they see it as like, they made it, they're on the other side, you know? Whereas I feel like uh, a lot of Western culture sees it as a, a period of mourning and of loss, you know, rather than mm. of, of kind of release. Yeah, I've, I've heard a take on death, like our lives, we are at the whim of like our organs. Like we have to go to the bathroom. We got to wipe our sweaty armpits. We get hungry. We got to eat. We're always like, uh, like always at the whim of each of our individual body centers. And, yeah. and death is kind of the unification of of all of this and the yeah. ending of all all problems um i don't just yeah. just a hot but, take yeah and and i mean I, I i try to think that you know that we're spiritual beings in physical forms you know and that it's just that there's because i mean you know there's a whole us that happens when we're dreaming that has nothing to do with our bodies you know things like that that it's just you know and it's and it's weird because of the the older I get, the more I feel like deja vu with past dreams of things that I've experienced in, in day-to-day life where it's like, it makes you think that there's just something, something more uh, that's connecting kind of our subconscious with our conscious and our, like a, like a psychic plane, you know, kind of that, that, uh, that we tap into at times. I don't know, you know, like, like, it's just, it, I feel like these pieces are kind of coming together as I have deja vu of things that I had dreams of when I was 16 and I all of a sudden I turn a corner somewhere when I'm on tour and I see like this street that looks exactly like that dream and I'm like well this is crazy that my brain kind of prepared that snapshot and I can remember like the whole dream around it and it's not exactly what's happening here but it's just like it feels like there's pieces of both there you know it's because it's like we know that there's pieces of things that we've experienced in dreams um that kind of come back like past lovers and weird things from from growing up and whatnot but um I'm just starting to experience that there's things from past dreams that are happening in my day-to-day life now you know which is which is pretty cool hypothetically speaking let's just consider this this concept you're bringing forward of this like enfolded inside like spiritual dream plane however that might be let's just say it absolutely is a thing that exists and we're talking about it right now uh, from a very like limited perspective how do you feel like that indicates what music is and how do you think that shapes that that would theoretically shape the approach a musician should could should take uh, i mean should take is is a hard thing because i think that one of the good things about music is that there's so many approaches you know yeah but, yeah could but, but but for me it's like it music is that that dream world you know it's like it's mu- music to me is lucid dreaming you know it's being able to control the surroundings of the world that I'm in, you know, in a way where it's, uh, it's, and being able to, you know, it's in a weird way, music is like the worst alchemy because you take years of your life and then you put it into three minutes, you know, like (laughs) temporal alchemy, but in reverse. Um, but, but, but then, you know, for me, it's, it's beautiful because I can listen to songs from my friends or from myself that are from certain periods. And it's like looking through a photo album, you know, Mm. So, so that's the kind of dream element of it, where it's, it's encapsulating a lot of things that are happening, good and bad. And the way that, you know, uh, certain songs will stick with you for a period of your time, you know, and then you'll listen to it five years later and you'll be like, oh, that's that summer where I was hanging out with so-and-so, or that's the time I spent on the beach, you know, or whatever. Or I remember going snowboarding and listening to this song all the time, you know, like those kind of things that then all of a sudden it becomes this, 
more than just the song you know it becomes this uh this snapshot and to me it's like i i never felt photogenic i always felt like when i when i took pictures of things when i was on vacation and stuff it just never came the way my memories were you know whereas music to me is you know so it's like mm. rather than having photo albums i have like music albums you know where 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 those things um those things kind of conjure the the memories and the and the fondness and the rosy colored glasses so to speak of of memory you know Michael, have you read any books that have been especially like impactful in you for you and your journey, the way you've evolved? Lots of stuff, man. I love Kurt Vonnegut. Um, I love Philip K. Dick. They both have different ways of kind of twisting reality. You know, Philip K. Dick's more of like the paranoid dystopia type of stuff. You know, um, Vonnegut to me, I, I love because his, I, I felt like his whole thing was like, man, we all take this so seriously and on our deathbed, we're all going to laugh at ourselves. But, uh, you know, in, in a spiritual sense, I think um, the Don Juan series by Carlos Castaneda, oh. you know, <laughs> Yo. that, that to me was uh, was like, you know, I, I read that in like the, the end of high school. And it was just like one of those things that kind of at the time was helping affirm a lot of the, you know, the, the journeys I was taking. <laughs> yeah, talk, talk about Carlos Castaneda for a second. I'm a huge fan. I would, I would love to take a moment with this. Oh, man. I mean, you know, like the teachings of Don Juan. I like it because it explored kind of the the metaphysical part of psychedelics and of spirituality and of kind of um, being able to use your mind to like astral project and transform and alchemize the world around you. You know, growing up on on things like comic books, it was like the re the real world comic books almost, where it's like you know these superheroes on psychedelics kind of being able to leap across plateaus and things, you know, with their minds. To me, it was just very eye-opening because I, at the time I hadn't, you know, like now there's a lot more access to, to different kind of psychedelic journeys and things like that that have been um, documented and, and written about. But, but for me, it was like at a time where the internet wasn't as good of a source back in the late 90s when I was in high school. And so that was like one of the few, first, few, first things that I could access where I was like, wow, like there's people that are doing these things that me and my friends kind of dream about and talk about and and, and envision when we're, you know, in an altered state or whatever, you know? And just just the the medicine man healer kind of aspect of it too, you know, like that part of it, that's always been been something that uh, that I, you know, like like just just herbal medicine and things like that is just, it's it's incredible. My, my, my family, my mom is a plant pathologist, but like, you know, one of the things about growing up in Poland is a lot of things were made from scratch, you know? So we would have like, uh, pop syrup made from pine needles that we, you know, you, you take like the, like the buds of fresh pine and you put it in alcohol and sugar and you soak it and then it'd be cough syrup you'd have at home, you know, things like that. So my parents would make these kind of homemade tinctures and herbal remedies. So that always kind of intrigued me because to me, it worked just as way, just as good as the over-the-counter stuff that had a ton of chemicals in it, you know? In Polish, there's this thing called pokshiva that's like a, a weed that like burns your skin, but it's also like crazy anti-inflammatory and it's supposed to like ward off arthritis and stuff like that, you know? So it's like these these things that you do that kind of hurt you, hurt you, but then heal you, you know, um, with herbs a little bit like a little bit like darkness in music, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, when I was when I was touring with the dead, I I met this uh, the Shumash um, medicine man elder named uh, Coat, and he was he was on the same bus as us, and he was a very wise and, and hilarious person, and he had great stories, but he you know he'd always talk about how you know, medicine men would smoke tobacco and, and take these things that they knew would kind of shorten their lifespan, but it was to kind of get more 
out of it, you know, like, like it'd be for a purpose. Like it'd be like this, you trade a little darkness for a little light at that time, you know? And then he also talked about how anything that's, that has, uh, you know, and, and you see this a lot when you learn about some of your favorite huge acts and you realize all these bands were fighting and all the crazy, you know, all the crazy stuff that you hear from people on the road where there's like crazy darkness behind the light that they bring. And it's just, that's the way a lens works. You know, it has to kind of flip it upside down and then project it. And so it's like for it to be that bright on that side, there's going to be a little bit of darkness on the other, you know, mm. I kind of welcome the bad times because it's a lot easier to write at those times because I feel like you're, you're kind of cornered by life and it's, it's a lot harder to write when you're super happy and everything's going good. And you're just like, well, it's, everything's fucking awesome. Uh, I wonder what I'm going to write about. You know, it's hard to kind of, for me, I'm sure that there's tons of people that would disagree, but for me, it's just, I write better when I'm um, in a funk. So, mm. and, and when there's things that are kind of gnawing at me, you know, that I have to get out because it's, because then I think some of that darkness and some of the bittersweetness kind of comes out in those moments because, um, because it's coming from a real place in your life onto the music, you know? Coming from a real place. Michael, man, so great to make your acquaintance here, dude. Likewise. So what can we be excited about? I know you're working on another album. Yes. EP just uh, came out. So Body High is kind of like the like the mellow out kind of, you know, like microdose and chill kind of kind of vibe. Um, and then I'm working on on like an electro soul kind of um heavier more geared towards live and 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 kind of the the upbeat atmosphere ep that i'm hoping to put out on philos as well um i don't have a name for it yet but it's kind of got a theme of fire it kind of starts with burning the whole world down and then rebuilding <laughs> so, so that's kind of the the you know or or burning yourself down or, or seeing everything that you that you love burned i because i had a house burned down in 2004 2005 when we were on the road someone uh came in and, and set our house on fire and we like lost our studio and our bedrooms and everything and you know all our gear and then uh recently i had uh the warehouse that had all my merchandise burned down <laughs> so i lost everything there um so it's been a a, a bit of and you know it, and you're just laughing about it just making music just about it you know there's so <laughs> many people that have lost so much more to fire in, in in colorado and in california and in all kinds of states you know that um around the world you know wildfire is no joke so um I think that that's, again, that's one of those things that was kind of on my mind and it kind of became this underlying theme where I was finding little, little vocal samples about fire and about things, you know, uh, about coming out of the ashes and, you know, kind of rising like a phoenix, that kind of feel. So the album inadvertently kind of starts with seeing things burn and ends with the warm embers kind of keeping you warm and warming your life for the, you know, the next chapter, so. Mm. I can't wait to listen, dude. I'm going to be binging your shit after knowing more about like uh, the Wizard of Oz behind the sounds. Oh, thanks, man. Michael Menner at, what is it? At Michael Menner? At Michael Menner. M-I-C-H-A-L-M-E-N-E-R-T. Uh, and then I got Body High dropping through Philos 325. Um, and then another album after that and another album after that until someone takes me. <laughs> well, shit. Can't wait to listen. Michael, my man, thanks again. Cheers, man. Have a good day. You made it this far. Thank you for listening. And a big thank you to our sponsors, Hemp Relief, CBD, SEM Tickets, 
Devil Wind Brewing and Artillery Productions. We've got links in the description below. Go check out all the awesome stuff they've got going on. And yeah, much love, everyone.